You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hey, people-centric leaders, it's Don Harkey here from People-Centric, and we're going to do a very special episode today. I don't know how many times I've said that, but probably more than once. They're all special, Don. We love all of our episodes. Every episode involves people, and you're all special, so we're all special together, right? So that's what we're going to do. But we thought we'd do something fun, because here's the deal. It is Don Harkey and Diana Royalty today. You get the two of us today. A lot of times we have three or four, sometimes even five of us on the podcast, Today, it's two of us, and you have the two co-founders of People-Centric Consulting Group on the call together. So like we've been with this thing from the very, very beginning. So when we talk to folks, and Diane, I just talked to somebody this morning, this morning who just started listening to our podcast and started referring to other people. So it's awesome. I give a shout out to Lacey over Holloway. If you're listening, uh, we're excited that you're listening to the podcast. One of the things she said was she likes just the banter of our team. She thinks it's kind of, we give some really cool concepts that are out there, but she likes, she feels like you're getting kind of an inside track to sitting on our team, just hanging out with us, which is great. It's very true. People often ask me like, oh, do you guys have a script or how do you like, no, we talk for 30 seconds before we hit record. And this is very real. Uh, We have very rarely edited out portions, but yeah, this is, it's just us. This is real. That's what we do. There's some edits. There's some stuff that cuts, but not big portions. No, we edit out a lot of the long pauses, the ums, the likes, you know, just the verbal ticks. We edit those out because nobody needs to hear 97 likes from Diana. Right. Like, like, yeah. like, yeah. Like, we, like, 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 like Valley girl. It, yeah. it, it's, it's funny because Julie and now Rihanna have done editing for our team and both of them are excellent. And sometimes we'll get feedback. We'll get notes, right? Like this From is your, tick. Yeah. this is the thing that you say. And then we'll have that in front of us. And we did one episode where we read everyone's verbal ticks right before we went on. And that was a horrible mistake because we just kept stumbling into everything that we were saying Every time you'd go to respond to something, you'd hear hear something and just be like, it was like Toastmasters where they ring the bell every time you say or your verbal tick or whatever. It messes with your head. It it gets in your head really fast. So we're just going to talk like this is how we sound. This is our words. This is our mouth. We make them with our mouths. Like we're just here. There's no AI or anything like this. We're just talking with you. Yeah. And so this time we wanted to bring a concept that is like brand spanking new, brand new to our team. It's I would even call it like a pre-concept. Because yeah, it's, it's not there yet. It's not there yet. And when I say not there yet, here's what I mean by not there. This was something that came up at a conference that we were at just a few uh, few weeks ago. And a couple of it was, it was Stephanie and Philip and I were talking about this concept. And we got really excited about it. Like, hey, there's something to this. And even started incorporating it in a couple of client discussions, not doing like major workshops on this. But then we brought it back to the team and talked a little bit about it. And not all of us on the team are all completely on board with what this might look like or what does this really mean? And one of the people who's not completely on board yet is Diana. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. 
Diana is the problem right now. That was, the, that was a T-Swift reference. But here's the thing. Diana is usually the problem. I feel like I play the role of let's really dive in and think through this before we make it part of our lexicon or part of our concepts or part of the things we teach on. Like we need to make sure that we're educated and, and it's thought out well and that it integrates well with our our overall concepts that we already have. Yeah. So we sometimes call Diana the soul crusher. I kill a lot of dreams. The dream killer, but she's also like our discipline. So I think as a lot of companies, like I've seen a lot of companies who kind of get into our space a little bit, our space, it's not our space, the people's space, how leaders work, that kind of thing. But they have all these new ideas and they're constantly chasing all the new ideas. And then there's no consistency with it and it gets lost. Yeah. Uh, so, so Diana prevents us from doing that, which is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also means that behind the scenes, like when we throw out something that's a new concept, we have a lot of discussions internally about that concept. So we'll present the idea, we'll pitch it, we'll talk about how could it be useful, we'll look at that, and we'll do this quite a bit. And so we thought it would be kind of fun to take one of those concepts and do that live on the air. <laughs> Weird. On the Weird. air. Yeah, right? let's do it. Yeah. Okay, so you're ready for this, Diana? Did you I mean, this? sort of, sure. Let's are you ready to have your dreams crushed? That's maybe, you You know, maybe the concept is something, you know, and sometimes by the way, so if you want to wonder like, what does it look like to have your dreams crushed? Uh, It's awful. (laughs) It's awful. No, it's, it's, uh, it's usually not that the idea is completely bad. It's just sometimes it's already wrapped into an existing concept and we're like, it's not, it's just a new way of presenting it. Maybe it's not as clear as it should be, or, or maybe just a bad idea, whatever that is. But so Let's talk about the concept pitching yeah. here. Okay. Just tell me what you so, got. I'll tell you what you got. And so this is this is raw too. So we don't have like a lot of times when you have a concept that's really thought out and our team has worked on it. We've got stories around it. We've got concepts. We've got everything really well defined. So here's so, but we're not at that phase yet. So nope. here is the concept, and we're gonna call it the leader shadow. The leadership shadow. Is it the leader shadow or the leadership shadow? I realized I literally changed it. So that's how raw it is. Like I just had two words to say and I changed it literally mid-sentence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Literally. I kind of like the leadership shadow, but it could I be like leadership, leadership shadow. That's if There's like some alliteration there. And from what I barely know, it is like the leadership style, right? So continue. We'll yeah, call it right. so the here's, leadership I'll tell you this- shadow. I'll tell you where this came from. So one of the things that we talk a lot about for leaders is that first of all, you're all leaders, right? So if you think about leadership, I was in in a conference recently and someone was talking about how difficult leadership is to define and it has been traditionally. So we've looked at it and said, we got to find an easy definition for leadership and something that's really useful. And so we define leadership as influence. So leadership is just how you influence other people. And we have different styles of leadership and how we influence other people. And we break those into three basic styles that, that are uh, out there. One is a laissez-faire style. Laissez-faire means that I'm just going to be kind of like, I, I just bring in good people and I let them do their thing. So like if I'm, if I'm a manager, I'm just letting them do their thing. If I'm just an employee on the team, I'm just assuming everybody else has their job. I don't really jump out. I'm not trying to influence other people. I just do my job. They do their job and we kind of interface together. That's one style. Second style is authoritarian. Authoritarian is I'm going to tell you what I need from you. Here's what I'm going to do. Go do this. Go do this. If I'm a manager of employees and I'm leading them that way, then I am very prescriptive. I'm telling you, go do this thing and then come back and tell me what you want to do next. 
uh, or tell me what I need. I'll tell you what you need to do next. If I'm an employee on a team with other employees, I'm kind of bossy, right? I'm telling everybody else. I I'm tend to take charge, even if I don't have that charge approach to it, right? That's an authoritarian. Assertive. Thank you. Assertive. Assertive. That's the. <laughs> that's what usually people who are authoritarian say about it. Isn't it? it is <laughs> an assertive so style. Correct. It is an assertive style. You're doing it right now. So I can't help it. You can't help it. No, that's it. It's kind of the point. Well, you can't help it. You can't help it, Diana. But are we going to get into that? But we have a dominant style. We are going to get into that, which is why I think the leadership shadow is such an important concept. But let me finish that. Let's round this out. So then the third style that tends to come up is what we'll call a democratic style. The democratic style is you're constantly asking other people for feedback. You're democratizing decisions. So if you're a manager, it looks like, hey, everybody, we've got this decision, this decision, this decision. Which one do you think we should make and why? And then everybody's giving their feedback on it. And sometimes that manager will even go as far as letting the group, let's vote on it. Let's make the decision together. Uh, from an employee to employee standpoint, it's a person that's constantly asking for input, right? They're pulling in, hey, what do you think about this? And hey, could do you think there's a better way we could do this? They're engaging other people around them to work on things. So we use this a lot in our management training. So side note, just a little pitch in there. We do management training. We do leadership workshops. Like some people have called and said, hey, I heard your podcast. Do you do that for companies? Yes, we are actually the company that does that for other companies. And then we happen to have a podcast, not the other way around. This yeah. podcast is not paying us that much. I'm just going to tell you that right now. You hear that we don't have sponsors. We could get sponsors. We've had offers for sponsorships. We don't do that because it's a tool for you. What we yeah. get paid is when we come and do the leadership con the, uh, workshops with you. So we can come out live to your place and do these things for you. And then you pay us for that. And then we can do more podcasts. But I digress. When we talk to managers about their management style, and we talk to leaders about their leadership style, we say it's helpful to know which one you default back to. And it's helpful because you tend to default back to one of those three styles. So like Diana, I think you've already alluded, what, what's your fallback style? My fallback is definitely authoritarian. Um, I I feel like as I've grown as a leader, I've incorporated all those styles depending on the situation and what's going on. But if there is a, if I am stressed out or there is something happening or I feel uh vulnerable or something my fault my natural default is to go authoritarian right yeah, yeah. yeah. what do you Half think my natural math. default is what what do you think my natural default is i think your natural default is probably oh i don't know i don't know that's weird that you asked me that and i don't know it um yeah. i was gonna say authoritarian as well um, as your natural default, but I think you've worked really, really hard not to do that. It's kind of funny that I asked you for my input, for input on what my dominant style was, which is very democratic. <laughs> That's true too. Democratic. Yeah. I think democratic feels the best to me. Yeah. In most, yeah. In, in some situations. So if, if I'm unsure, I want to get feedback from the group and try to get a direction going in a lot yeah. of ways. But I do think it's interesting that you thought it was authoritarian. Yeah. I think, I think that's your natural. Okay. But okay. But that's okay. I will tell you if you are right or wrong later. <laughs> I've just seen it a moment. Maybe it's, maybe I was thinking about like stressed out moments. That's when you like mm. get the, I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this, and I see the plan and I'm going to go after the plan, but. Okay. So what we're talking about is exactly why we think this new concept is so powerful. 
because okay. you said something really important. Two things you said are really important. Number one is the last slide on that leadership presentation. So we're going to cut straight to the end is you got to have all three of those styles, right? Totally. So it's not just totally. your natural style. You know what your natural style is. You recognize that there are situations where you should be laissez-faire. You recognize there are other situations where you should be democratic and you recognize there are situations where you should be authoritarian. If I'm if I'm leading troops in the trenches and we got to charge the machine gun, that's a good authoritarian moment. We're going to charge that. You go here, you go here, and we'll meet here, and that's what's going to happen. Go. You don't vote on that, or you don't say, I don't know what you guys are going to do, but I'm going to go charge that machine gun. I hope you guys join me sometime. You don't do that, right? <laughs> we get yeah. authority. We get democratic when there truly is like we need to collaborate or we need to get really good buy-in from other people. Uh, that's a good time to go out and collect input. Uh, Which so you're really good at doing. That's like one of your top skills is that democratic, let's get everybody's buy-in. Let's make sure we're going the right way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. You're, you're very good at that. That was very nice. That was very huh. nice. And then the laissez-faire, like sometimes it's appropriate if the other person's doing their job and they're doing it well and they have good clarity and all that direction, like leave them alone. Let them do the thing. Let them go do that. Whenever COVID hit and we were filling out forms left and right from the, the government and banks and trying to figure out all that stuff, Diana was all over it. Yeah. I, I would talk to Diana to get input and say, what do you need? But other than that, I very laissez-faire of just, I'm just going to stay out of it. And it was hard, by the way, to be laissez-faire, which probably does lean towards like, the default stress style, because I was like, what do you need? I need to jump in here clearly. And you're like, no, 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 I got this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, which again, so we need all three styles. Oh, we yeah. have a dominant style and we mm -hmm. fall back to it. Here's the concept that we laid out. We did an episode a little while back called your shadow, right? It was about your shadow. The shadow you. Yeah. It's called the shadow you. Uh -huh. It's called the shadow you. And the concept was in psychology, Something happens to all of us in our lives, right? You get these, I'll call them like nips and scrapes and things like that, that happen sometimes flat out wounds. Some of us have lost an arm, uh -huh. you know, all the things like yeah. serious things that have happened to us. I don't mean like physical wounds, but like mental wounds, right? Something yeah. has happened to us. You've lost somebody close to you. There could be abuse. There could be all kinds of things that happen to us, right? Those things follow us and they create what's called a shadow, right? And this is a psychological concept. And the shadow overcompensates for that abuse. And that mm -hmm. overcompensation for the abuse is like a, it's like a, a little person sitting on your shoulder, whispering in your ear. And most of the time in our normal day-to-day -day lives, we are in control. We're not, the shadow is not in control. We're in control. But there's sometimes when either we're not thinking about it enough, or when we settle into a state of stress or panic that we let the shadow take over. We let the shadow take over. And so examples of shadows could be something like that says, like, I think one of my shadows, I think I shared in the episode a little bit is that from when I was a little kid, I was bullied uh, in third grade. I was bullied a little bit. That's I don't like talking about that. Uh, that's because it's still that part of the shadow. Sucks. Yeah. Not cool. It's not fun to not talk cool. about. Right. No. I don't like that. I like to get along with the class. I don't like to get to not get along with people. And I had a situation where I was going to a school where I was different than everybody else. I actually went to a Christian school and I was not that denomination and people picked on me for not being Christian, which sounds counterintuitive. Side note. <laughs> Kids um, are, you know, they're trying to find their own. They, it, hopefully they've grown. That's, it's, you know. They've grown up to be great. I'm sure they're fine. I'm sure yeah. they're all fine there. But that could create a shadow and that scar says sometimes like, do I question whether people really like me or not? 
-hmm. Now I know like, look, I go to conferences, people stand up and clap. They love me. I know everybody loves me. I know I'm hugely popular. You're beloved. Yes, for Be sure. Beloved. <laughs> Is that word? Yeah. I'm beloved, but sometimes yeah. in situations, if I'm really stressed out, that gets on my shoulder and I'll hear that and I'll, I'm, and they'll think, well, you don't want to hang out with me anyway, or, oh, you really didn't like that. So then I tend to get really hard on myself. So like I gave a presentation a couple of weeks ago that I thought felt a little flat. I thought it fell a little flat and I, I really kicked myself for that presentation and thought that was awful and really got upset with myself. And then really the feedback that we got was it was still pretty good. I knew I could do better, <laughs> but it was still pretty good. So that's an example of it. And there's lots of other shadows that we could have. So Diana, here's the concept okay. is I think there's a leadership shadow. I think specifically when we're thinking about how we influence other people at work, I think there's some things that happen to us somewhere in our career that create a leadership shadow and influences what our default style of leadership really is. So I'll give you an example. Like if you think back to like your first boss, think about, you know, I'll call it your first most influential boss. What kind of a leader were they? Uh, I'm going to go with my like first professional job and not all the retail jobs that yeah, I have. That's, that's why I don't say like first boss. I say yeah. first most influential boss, right? The first yeah, one that really I, you looked at and said, this is my real job. It's a real boss. I've had them yeah. for a little while. They've had an influence on me. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to go with that one. And this person was very authoritarian. That's how I'll put that. Just okay. To the extreme authoritarian, uh, sent memos that said things like, we don't use the Oxford comma in this office. Like, ve very authoritarian. This is a, we don't use the Oxford comma comma in this office? Because that would be funny. That would be funny. No. Isn't that no. what the Oxford comma is, side note? Isn't it when you... It's when you make a list and right before and, you use the oh. comma before and in a list. Yeah. Um and 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 the Oxford comma is real and correct, and you should be using it. I'm just gonna put that out there. Like that was a weird spot to do that. I'm just gonna put it here. It should be used. I don't know. Anyway, so, so the theory is is that that interaction with that boss has a deep effect on your leadership style from here and out, and it created a leadership shadow, something that's that's in your ear. And there's lots of different ways that that shadow could come out. You might look at that and say, like, for example, you could have chosen, I know you didn't, but you could have chosen and said, like, I hated how authoritarian that was. So authoritarian leadership means bad leadership, and I'm not going to be authoritarian. And you could overcompensate by being super democratic or super laissez-faire. I think I did at points. I think I okay. did do that. Uh, yeah. While still at that job, I was managing a few other uh, people in the office, I was the office manager. And then I still managed a few others. Um, and I do know that at times I was like, well, I'm just going to let them do their job. They know what they're doing. I don't, I can, I can stay back. And it blew up in my face. And then I was also like, I'm just going to, we're going to committee this. We're a team. And that blew up in my face. So yeah, I think I did rebel against it for a time. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my question is, do you think that if that was your leadership shadow, do you think your leadership shadow still impacts you today? A thousand percent. Yeah, a thousand percent. So how? Sure. Uh, I think that I, 
I think that I know that I am naturally an authoritarian. I'm just like, I'm a Capricorn. I am a type A, like call it whatever you want to call it. But like all of these traits make me just this human being. And so I don't feel aligned with myself when I'm doing it other ways. When I feel like I need to be the authoritarian, if I'm trying to do it some other way, it feels really hard to do for me. Um, And so even when I'm in my natural tendency and my natural style, I still am tempering my language. I'm still trying to not be the over controller. Um, I beat myself up a lot. If I have a too, too direct of a conversation, I'll be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't, you know, like here's what I meant and here's what I said. And I could see how that could come off. And I replay conversations in my head over and over and over to just see if I have like said something way out of line. Um, and I, I do, I do the thing where I apologize all the time. I'm so sorry for stepping in here, but I think that this needs to happen, right? Even when I shouldn't be sorry for stepping in, it's very valuable things to, to step in on. Right. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think I overanalyze my authoritarian because I don't want to be like that authoritarian leader was. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, well, I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that because <laughs> I do know you do you like, I have seen you, you're, you're a super effective leader and you know, also the direction to go, which is not a common trait for all leaders. Like you're yeah. very, your instinct, I'm trying to think of what the right word, your discernment is very good. Yeah. Your yeah. discernment is excellent. And sometimes there's times, I mean, even with me, who've worked with you for a very long time and we have a very trusted relationship, there's times where you're like, I'm going to tell you something that, and you kind of like, just, I don't know, like head down a little bit. Like I got to lean into this and it's really going to be hard. And it's like, boy, I know you're not like naturally uh, averse to difficult conversations. No. Yeah. But it, but it's probably created by like that leadership shadow that's in your shoulder. Like, don't be, don't be the Oxford comma person. Yeah. That's, don't be that person. That's bad. Yeah. You rebel against that. And then it yeah. makes you question who you are mm-hmm. as a leader, just like all shadows do. Like that's what the, your shadow leads you away from yourself in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. or, or it makes you a caricature of yourself, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're trying to be, you're trying not to be that just as a human side note. So, I mean, just as a healthy person, you should try to be yourself, like just try to learn how to continuously be a better version of yourself. I used to say the best version of yourself. And I realized that's my shadow saying that that's my shadow saying you have to be the best version of yourself. Otherwise, which will never happen. No better version of yourself. Yeah. So. We started. Yeah, so- that's why it was. That's why it's hard because I know I'm naturally authoritarian. So I I learned that I couldn't rebel against that too hard because it mi- horribly misaligned with who I naturally am. Yeah. But if so- I I think I would have rebelled against authoritarian really hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. When we've presented this concept in the past, people listen to it and they go, yeah, you need all three kinds and you need to mull through that. But the piece that I've always thought people miss is not when you're thinking about what leadership style to apply, but when you're not and what you fall back into. So it's the moments that you're not like you're apologizing for it when you're not thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. So it's, a, it's to me like, so then is it helpful? And this is the question, like the ultimate question about whether it's a helpful concept. 
is it helpful, Diana, for you as a leader to think, I know what my leadership shadow is, and it's helpful for me to be aware of it so I can keep it in front of me more often? Because those are the situations where I get myself in most trouble when I listen to my shadow and not to myself. Yeah, maybe. I mean, if we talk through this and you kind of, you know, let's say you're giving me coaching advice and you're talking about my leadership shadow, I think if you said something to me like, you don't have to apologize for being direct in the right way. You don't have to apologize for having good discernment and knowing the path. You don't have to apologize for those things. Um, And then I think you could also say things like, but don't do the Oxford comma thing, right? People do have to have some autonomy and freedom and choice and, you know, balance that with your need to control a situation and you're going to be a great leader. Um, So yeah, maybe. Yeah. This is how how it goes, guys. Maybe. (laughs) This is is exactly how it works. So it's just like, you're seeing this, you're seeing this life here. So let's flip it around. Let's flip it around. So like, let's walk through and figure out what's my leadership shadow. Okay. So like, if I think of my first most influential boss, Uh it was my first boss in an engineering job. Uh He was absolutely brilliant. I talk about him quite a bit because he He's kind of a caricature. He's a bit of a Paul Bunyan-esque figure in my life. I realize, like I tell stories about him, like he, he was so brilliant and he's also so, he's pretty quiet, Yeah. but he was an intense person. Like you just didn't want to cross him, but he's one of those people that you probably hardly ever saw him really get angry because he yeah. didn't have to, because you didn't ever want to see that. You didn't want to see that ever happen. Yeah. You know, like one of the legendary stories about him that I always like to tell was there was a, uh, there was a tornado that was coming towards the the plant. And this is before I worked there. This is what other people would tell the stories. And they had stories like this about him like crazy. And they said that he was just, he was big and he's a former football player. So you can kind of imagine he's a big guy. He was a big guy and he was just intense, just quietly, quiet intensity is the way I would describe his normal demeanor. Um, you know, he had a, he had a sense of humor, but only came out very small, like just very, like just intense generally. And, and always thinking, always thinking. And they had to, they can't shut down the plant. So they would put spotters on the corners of the plant to see where the tornado was. And so that they could work in Iowa or some very flat place. Like where is this? This was in Iowa where you could absolutely see for very long ways where the tornado was, right? This yeah. is also before, this is also like in the 1990s when we didn't have- I was going like, to say, yeah. safety standards have changed a lot, but okay, go ahead. The radar wasn't even as good back then. So it's not like you could pull up your phone. Nobody could pull up their phone app and see where it was. They were just, the sirens are going off and no one knows what's going to happen. So they would put four people in the corners of the plant and they would look and a tornado dropped out of the sky and dropped into the cornfield near the plant and was heading right towards the plant. And so they're on the radio talking to everybody. Everybody's got radio. So that's how we communicate. And they said, there's a tornado on the ground coming in from the west side of the plant. Everybody takes shelter, you know, and so everybody gets into the shelter areas and stuff like that. And they're all getting in there. And they said, and this was told to me by this pipe fitter, who was this guy that was there. And the pipe fitter guy, by the way, was called Big Mike. So Big Mike was not a small (laughs) guy either. Uh, And and Big Mike says- a pipe fitter would have to have some strength, you know? This dude was big too. He yeah. he was to carry. He said he, they wouldn't let him carry around the big wrenches because he would break stuff. So he had these little tiny pair of channel locks that he would carry around. And it was funny because we'd always laugh because he'd pull it out and his hand was bigger than the tool, but he could he could tighten it better than anybody else could. 
um, just because he was so big. But Big Mike tells the story and he says, and so we're all in the we're all taking cover in this little brick like MCC building. And we're all in there. And he says, and I'm, I'm looking outside to make sure everybody who's in that area knows that they should come to us. And he says, and, and, and Ray comes walking around the corner. And Ray's just staring out in the field. And he says, and you can see the tornado. The tornado's out there. And he's like, and I'm yelling to Ray because it's getting loud. I'm like, Ray, come in here. Like, come over here, buddy. Like, That's a here. tornado, friend. <laughs> There's a tornado, friend. And so Ray just keeps on walking. Ray just like ignores him. And he goes like, Ray's like in a trance. Like he's in a trance and he walks towards the fence line and he's standing at the edge of the fence line. And, and Mike says, describe it this way. He goes, I got the door just cracked open. I'm watching him. Cause I'm like, we're going to like, do I have to go get him? What do I need to do here? And he goes, and old Ray just looks at that tornado and he stands up and he poses and he crosses his arms and looked at that thing. And he, he tells me, he says, Don, that freaking tornado went right back up into the clouds. Wow, he is a legend. This is like story, fairy tale type stories. I'm telling you, it's legendary, right? Yeah. So yeah. that was like my first boss. Like you wanted to please him. You wanted to make him like, like he was not easily impressed. So when he did tell you something like the best thing he ever told me, I was in the locker room one time and he came up to me after work and he's like, Don, you're doing a good job. Like that was, that was the feedback. Did it you cry? Like, oh. I'd have cried. I'd have been like, oh my God, thank you. Yeah, I'd have cried. I mean, he said it and like, like walked out and like three other people in the locker room looked at me like, that was awesome. Good job. That nice. was awesome. Did you see what just happened there? That was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. But I would definitely describe him as a laissez-faire leader from a fallback perspective. Mm -hmm. And then he would use the authoritarian or the threat of authoritarian if something came up. Now he did definitely use all three styles. But mm -hmm. like, what's the impact of that leader on me as a leader? Like what shadow does that create? You have never been laissez-faire in your life. <laughs> I mean, I guess you have, but you have, you try to, but that is not, you, you have somehow rebelled against that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, and I probably look at it like if it's a shadow piece of that, I look at it like I could never live up to that. I could <laughs> never make it, I could never make a tornado go up into really the clouds. Sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what would that, what would that look like? I could never be that person like that. Yeah. Well, and you just like, you care about everything, right? Like you do, you don't, you trust people to do their jobs, but you deeply care about everything. Yeah. Well, and I think too, thinking about that story too, I also think those stories are inspirational. And I think I try to be inspirational too. Like I try to have those moments. You really, that you love a good, like rally the troops inspire them and get them going moment let's go out in the field and watch me chase this tornado away uh-huh yeah yeah so where does that get me in trouble well not everything can be done by that like sometimes you need an authoritarian leader to just be like hey this is direction we gotta go like guys we gotta do this I know it's not fun or it's going to be hard or whatever, but like, we're going to go do this. And sometimes work is not inspirational. Like sometimes it's just work and that's a bummer, but like sometimes it's just work. So yeah, I think you get in trouble when you don't lean into the typical quote unquote leader to just like give guide and move, you know? Yeah. And if you think of the leader as a Paul Bunyan-esque un unwavering, can't possibly no chinks in the armor kind of person. Uh-huh then you could see where like, if I have to come and say like, oh, no, we're not going to go that way. We're going to go this way and nobody likes it. 
how that would change. Like suddenly now I'm not even defined as a leader anymore. Yeah. The shadow tells me like, that's not what leadership is. Leadership is everyone follows you because that's definitely a direction to go. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you you falling in love with this concept? Are you like, I mean, I like it. I like it. I think Mm -hmm. there's something to it, Mm -hmm. but what is the something? What it, what are we trying to get to here? I think that what we're trying to get to is let me say, let me say this by sharing a little bit of a story. We were talking to a large organization recently about um, using assessments and the, the vice president of this organization said, what is the practical use of an assessment for the organization? Like, what does it really help people to be able to do? And there were a couple of coaches that do these assessments. I was at a conference. So there were several people that do that kind of thing. And they were saying things like, well, it helps people to understand themselves. It helps them lean into themselves and all of that. And Matt was with me and Matt said something absolutely brilliant is Matt said, I actually think the big, big best thing that the assessments do is it doesn't tell you how you think. You already kind of know how you think. It tells you how other people think. It tells you how you don't think. Yeah. And it tells you what you might be missing. Yeah. And I kind of think from the leadership side, that's the same thing. We know the leadership styles. I can say, what styles do you fall back to? And you're like, I like to do this. And then intellectually, you know, I should mix up the styles or certain scenarios for each one of those things. And what I see people when we present that, their reaction is like, no, okay, that kind of makes sense. You just define that. But I don't see that people making like life changing, like, oh, that's helping me really shift something fundamental about myself. That's helping me become a more effective leader at the end of the day until we start thinking about the stuff that sneaks up on you, like the shadow piece. Yeah. I don't, I don't not like that. I think there's some concepts here that everyone can kind of understand and can feel like the pressure of, right. I always love it when the things we talk about make people a little squirmy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know that's, I know that's terrible, but it's true. It just means that you're not in your comfort zone anymore. And I think getting to the core of some of the things that, you're like, this is why we do this. And this is how it affects you. Definitely gets people a little squirmy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we find real progress is made when people get a little squirmy. Totally. Yeah. When you're not squarely in that comfort zone and you have to make changes based on things that make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Those are great changes. Yeah. If we're working with a leader for a team and they're telling us all the great things that they're doing and how they know what it is that they're doing, but they're still struggling, but they only talk about how great they are. It's very difficult to make progress. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier to make progress when you are looking at things that's like, okay, uh, that's, that's maybe my blind spots a little bit, or this is the thing that I haven't fallen back to. Cause even in this discussion, Diana, like I, I've applied that lightly to myself, but I haven't had like the deep discussion about like, okay, I haven't thought about like that. My first boss being that inspirational and that like awe inspiring yeah. has put yeah. that into my head of like, that's what I got to be. Yeah. That, that's the thing. People are got to tell legends about me. Like they're going to have to tell <laughs> stories. Like, oh, there are stories that have become legend. Like the time you yelled on the airplane. That's a legendary that story. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were flying over my house and I got really excited. Yeah. I and. You had your headphones on. I had noise cancellation. So the story, it's not a, it's not that exciting of a story, but it's funny. Yeah. I was sitting next to Matt and it was like 10 o'clock at night and we're flying on one of those little Embraer 175s back to Springfield, Missouri. And 
I'm just kind of leaning out the window and looking out the window and, you know, it's dark outside and everything. And I'm, you start to see which, which direction are we flying into? And I realized we were flying the traffic pattern that takes us directly over my house. And I'm on the right side of the plane where you can just look and you can see it. I mean, and I just never like that clearly, like there's, there's my tree, there's my deck. I could see everything in the turn. And so I turned to Matt and I thought in my head, I said, Hey, Matt, we just flew over my house. But what really happened according to Matt was because of my headphones in is in a dead quiet plane where everybody's half asleep pulling in late at night. I go, Hey, we just flew over my house. And <laughs> Matt just like, Whoa. Oh yeah. Thanks Don. Now everyone knows where you live. Good job. <laughs> yeah. So we do tell stories about you for the record. You know, that's already happened. The tornado story though. That oh. tornado story is incredible. Oh. It, that is incredible. I, so incredible. It might not be real, Don. Stop it, Ray. Just totally put that tornado. I just named him, by the way. Sorry. If you're listening, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you did name him. That's He's right. awesome. He's awesome. It's a great story. Yeah. 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 So I, I think if we do, if we do discuss this more, how do you, what are some key takeaways? What are some key things that you hope people can do with this by recognizing it? That's a great question. I mean, I think for one thing is if you fall, this could be a path that you follow that doesn't give you an insight. That's that's possible. Sure. Which most assessments do that, right? You could take any assessment and be like, eh, not super insightful. Yeah. And I think this is like a, it's like a personal assessment, right? Like it's your, yeah. like, what do yeah. you think about your first boss? And could that be informing your leadership skill. And it's probably good to have a conversation with somebody else because they can ask you some questions that you might realize, like the way you describe that person also tells you, says something, not just the style of leadership that they have. That probably says something. Um, so I'm really thinking about this as like really within like a coaching discussion, like either with yeah. yourself or with somebody else, just to try to like, is this, is there something, is there a blind spot that you have based on a past leader that you've had that was highly influential in your world? Could have been positive. It could have been negative. It could have been effective. It could have been ineffective. All those things. Is there some memory of that sitting on your shoulder, whispering in your ear that mm -hmm. is making you question how you lead? Is it making you do things that you wouldn't normally do? Kind of working outside yourself. And then if that is true, then is it helping you? And if maybe if you stopped it or if you got a little different control over it, like Diana, like you said, you recognize you apologize for stuff. If you just know you're doing it, yeah. probably appropriate times to apologize for stuff. That's fine. It's not never apologize, unapologetic leader. <laughs> it's not that, but just kind of dial it, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're aware mm -hmm. of it, dial it from a nine to a six or something. And yeah, Don, I got something that might be tough that you may not want to hear, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. And I think you know that I respect you and I want to work together and this is going to be fine. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 to me, that's the use for it. What, what do you see? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think there is something to, I'm, I'm big on self-awareness. The more that we can like understand who we are and why we're doing the things that we do and how we can improve or adjust or, you know, just even, even just be aware. I just, I think that's super important. So this is just another piece of self-awareness for me. This is like a insightful Thing where it makes it easy to talk about leadership, but you're not talking about yourself, right? It's easy for me to talk about how someone else led, right? And how I 
adapted my leadership around that or with that, it's harder to talk about how I lead. So I think it's cool that there's a easier way to discuss your leadership style because, you know, it it is easier to talk about how somebody else did it. It's hard to talk about yourself. So I like, I really like that aspect of it. And so I think if you unpack that a little bit, that's very cool. It's kind of a cool trick, right? It's easier to, yeah. yeah, we do that. Like when we think about there's some other trick, like when we talk about values, it's like, think about a person. Don't think about the company. Like it's easier to think about a person, another person, because we can watch them and see how it impacted you. And this one, you're going to perfectly judge it because you're not just talking about the leader or what kind of leader they actually were. You're really talking about what impact that leader had on you. Yeah. Yeah. And then how did that in turn impact your leadership style? Mm hmm. I think I think we fundamentally believe that everybody listening to this is fundamentally smart enough and capable enough to make a real impact and positive impact on the world around them. Lots of different jobs that they do. But sometimes I think that that head trash that we pick up in our lives puts significant barriers up for ourselves. And we'll run into people and say, like, man, if you don't change that, if you don't fundamentally see that and fundamentally transform yourself you're always going to be stuck in having these bad relationships or these bad, you're going to have employees that don't like you, or you're going to have other managers that can't talk with you or whatever. And it's not, we're not saying what's kind of neat about this approach is it's not saying to change yourself. It's sort of saying, no, it's maybe it's when you're not yourself that that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that. When you're at your weakest. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's work therapy, right? It's it's a little bit of like it's understanding your best version of yourself. Therapy, yeah. man, is that a thing? I feel like everybody needs that. If that's a thing, we need to do it. Oh, that's I the next concept. <laughs> yeah, that's the next concept. Work therapy. I'll tell you, we get we get uh, told that because we also do coaching. Side note, another shameless pitch. Uh, yeah. But when we coach people, a lot of times they'll say like, "You're like my work therapist." Uh, yeah. Trying to understand how I think of things and how I approach things. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, so it sounds like the verdict is that there's something to this and we need to keep exploring this and think about how do we systematize this and how do we bring this to our clients and bring these concepts up there. Um, But we would, first of all, we would love to hear from you. So if you have thoughts on this concept, you're like, wow, that concept is really powerful and that helped me out a lot. Please send that, send that to us, email us. You can hear it in the outro, how to do that, how to reach out to us. You can go to our website. There's lots of ways to reach out to us. Or if you heard it and you're like, I listened to this whole thing three times and I do not know what the heck you guys are talking about, then tell us that too. Because sometimes yeah. there's, it could be something that could be helpful, but if people don't understand it or it's too weird, if it's too meta, then it's out there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry yeah. We, we have been excited about things that other people are not excited about. So like, I think because we get in our own stuff and we like what we do and Sometimes we think it's super valuable and other people are like, this doesn't, I don't get it. So yeah, we would love to hear from you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So give us some feedback back. Well, we hope that you got something from this today and hope that you think about your leadership shadow and your first most influential leader. How do they influence you? And does that impact how you influence other people? Um, But in the meantime, as you think about that, we want you to think about being a people centric leader, which means just being deliberate about how you influence other people and thinking that, Yes, you can't control all the other people, but you can control yourself and how you influence. You just have to decide what kind of an influence you want to be at the end of the day. You want to be a positive leader. You want to be a negative leader. Yep. All of those things. So thanks for joining us so much on this episode. Diana, this was fun. This was fun. Yeah. I'm glad we did it. 
We learned some stuff. There were some breakthroughs in group today. <laughs> don't go cry. If you're, if you feel sad, don't go cry. We can talk about it. Don't go cry. I thought that's good. You're supposed to cry. Oh. oh, don't cry. You don't have to cry alone. In you kindergarten, I learned that crying takes the sad out of you. Oh, well, I just meant you didn't have to do it alone. If you want to oh, go okay. cry alone, I, I guess you can just, okay. you know, just, just sad. We're going to have a crying room next to that. We'll just put it. <laughs> That sounds like a thing too. That'll be our next episode. Crying rooms. Should a they be a thing at work? Or a rage room. That's what be. your car is for at work in the parking lot. So you can go. <laughs> you do that before you walk in. Yeah. Have a good cry and then go to work. That's, a, that's <laughs> the key. Yeah. Well, thank you all for joining us so much. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the People Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and lead well.